Hello, and welcome to the Brothers Grimm Lunch Break. I'm Eric Wagoner. Today I'll be reading The Knapsack, The Hat, and The Horn. Once upon a time, there were three brothers who found themselves getting poorer and poorer. Eventually, their plight became so great that they had nothing to eat and were starving. We can't go on like this, they said. We'd better go out into the world and see if we can change our luck. So they set out and traveled quite some distance. Their way took them over fields of green grass, but they did not encounter much luck. One day they reached a large forest, and in the middle of the forest there was a mountain. When they came closer, they saw that the mountain was all silver. Now that I've found the good luck that I was searching for, said the oldest, I don't want anything more. He took as much of the silver as he could carry, turned around, and went back home. But the others said, We expect much more from our luck than mere silver. Indeed, they did not touch any of the silver and continued on their way. After they had traveled a few more days, they came to a mountain that was all gold. The second brother stopped, pondered the situation, and was undecided. What should I do? he asked. Should I take enough gold to last me the rest of my life, or should I continue on my way? Finally, he decided to fill his pockets with as much gold as they could hold, said farewell to his brother, and went home. But the third brother said, Silver and gold mean nothing to me. I won't give up on my luck. Maybe I'll come across something better. He went on, and after three days he came to a forest that was so much greater than the others that it appeared to be endless. Since he had found nothing to eat or drink, he was at the point of collapsing and decided to climb a tree to find out whether he could see the end of the forest. However, there were nothing but treetops as far as his eyes could see. Tormented by hunger, he climbed down the tree and said to himself, If only I could get something to fill my stomach once more. When he reached the bottom of the tree, he was amazed to find a table spread with food, and his nose picked up the aroma. This time, he said, my wish has been granted in the nick of time. Without asking who had brought the food and who had cooked it, he approached the table and ate heartily until he had satisfied his hunger. When he was finished, he thought, It would be a shame to leave this fine tablecloth out here in the forest where it might be ruined. So he folded it neatly and put it into his knapsack. Then he moved on, and in the evening when he grew hungry again, he decided to test his little tablecloth. After spreading it out on the ground, he said, I wish you were covered again with good food. No sooner did he utter his wish than the tablecloth was covered with the most delicious kinds of food. Now I realize in what kitchen the cooking's been done for me, he said. You're more precious to me than mountains of silver and gold. Indeed, he knew that he had a magic tablecloth. But the tablecloth was not enough to get him to return home and settle down. On the contrary, he wanted to continue traveling about the world and to keep trying his luck. One evening, as he was going through a lonely forest, he met a charcoal burner covered with black soot. The charcoal burner was preparing a meal of baked potatoes on a fire. "'Good evening, Blackbird,' said the traveler. "'How are things in this lonely place?' "'One day's just like the next,' responded the charcoal burner. "'And every night, potatoes.' Would you like to have some? You can be my guest. No, thanks, answered the traveler. 
I don't want to take away your meal. You weren't counting on a guest, but if you'll put up with me, I'd like to invite you to a meal. Who's going to prepare it for you? said the charcoal burner. You apparently don't have anything with you, and there's nobody within miles of here who could bring you something. Despite that, you shall have the most delicious meal you've ever tasted, he answered. Then the traveler took the tablecloth from his knapsack, spread it on the ground, and said, Table, be covered. All at once there were boiled and roasted meats, and they were as hot as if they had just come out of the kitchen. The charcoal burner gaped, but he did not have to be asked twice to help himself to the food. Indeed, he shoveled bigger and bigger pieces of meat into his black mouth. When they had eaten their fill, the charcoal burner grinned and said, Listen, your tablecloth has won my approval. Something like that would be perfect for me in this forest, where nobody ever cooks anything for me. Let me propose an exchange. There's an old soldier's knapsack hanging in the corner. It's clearly a plain old thing, but it has miraculous powers. Since I no longer need it, I'll let you have it in exchange for the tablecloth. First, I must know what kind of miraculous powers they are, responded the traveler. Let me tell you, answered the charcoal burner. If you tap it with your hand, a corporal will appear with six men armed from head to foot, and whatever you command, they will carry it out. Ah, as far as I'm concerned, it's a deal, said the traveler. Let's exchange. He gave the charcoal burner the tablecloth, took the knapsack off the hook, slung it over his shoulder, and said goodbye. When he had gone a short distance, he decided to test the knapsack's miraculous powers and tapped it. All at once, seven stalwart soldiers appeared, and the corporal said, What does my lord and master desire? I want you to march back to the charcoal burner on the double and demand my magic tablecloth from him. They did an about-face to the left, and before he knew it, they were back with the tablecloth, which they had taken from the charcoal burner without much trouble. Now the traveler ordered them to retire, and he continued his journey, hoping that his luck would shine even brighter. At sundown, he came across another charcoal burner, who was preparing dinner by a fire. "'Would you care to join me?' asked the sooty fellow. "'Potatoes with salt, but no grease. If you want some, just sit down by my side.' "'No, thanks,' he said. "'This time you shall be my guest.' And he spread his tablecloth on the ground. A moment later, it was covered with the most delicious dishes. They ate and drank together, and were in good spirits." After the meal, the charcoal burner said, Up there on the shelf, there's an old worn-out hat that has strange powers. As soon as someone puts it on and turns it around on his head, cannons will begin firing, just as if twelve in a row went off at the same time. There's nothing that can withstand them, for they can demolish anything in sight. The hat is of no use to me, and I'd gladly exchange it for your tablecloth. It's a deal, the traveler answered. He took the hat, put it on, and left the tablecloth behind. Yet no sooner had he gone a short distance than he tapped his knapsack, and his soldiers fetched the tablecloth for him once again. One thing follows the next, he thought. I feel as if my luck hasn't run out yet. And his intuition did not deceive him. After he had traveled another day, he came across a third charcoal burner, who invited him to eat a meal of potatoes without grease, just like the others. Once more, the traveler invited the charcoal burner to join him in a meal set by his magic tablecloth, and the charcoal burner enjoyed the food so much that he offered him a horn in exchange for the tablecloth. 
This horn had very different powers from those of the hat. As soon as it was blown, first the walls and fortifications would be turned to rubble, and then cities and villages would be leveled. Of course, the traveler did not hesitate to give up the magic tablecloth for the horn, but later on he sent his team of soldiers to demand it back. At length he had accumulated all three things, the knapsack, the hat, and the horn. Now I am a made man, he said, and it's time to return home and see how my brothers are doing. By the time he returned home, his brothers had built a beautiful house with their silver and gold and were leading a carefree life. Yet, when he entered their house, his brothers refused to recognize him as their brother because he was wearing a tattered coat, a shabby hat on his head, and a battered knapsack on his back. Instead, they ridiculed him and said, You're an imposter. Our brother scorns silver and gold to follow his lucky star. When he returns here, it won't be as a beggar, but as a mighty king in full splendor and riding in a carriage. Upon saying that, they drove him out of the house, but he became so enraged that he tapped his knapsack and kept tapping it until one hundred and fifty men stood before him in a row. He ordered them to surround his brother's house, and two of them were to take hazel switches and whip his insolent brothers until they knew who he was. There was a tremendous uproar, and people ran to help the two brothers in their predicament, but they could do nothing against the soldiers. Eventually, the king got wind of this, and in his anger he ordered a captain to take a company of soldiers and drive the troublemaker from the city. But the man with the knapsack responded by assembling a huge troop of soldiers who forced the captain and his men to retreat with bloody noses. "'I'll bring this vagabond under control yet,' the king said. The following day the king sent an even larger company against him, but it managed to accomplish even less than the other one. The man with the knapsack called up even more soldiers to oppose the king's men, and since he wanted to end everything quickly, he turned his hat around on his head a few times. Then the heavy artillery came into play, and the king's men were devastated and forced to flee. "'I'm not going to make peace,' he said, "'until the king gives me his daughter for my wife, and I rule the entire kingdom in his name.' The king was informed of this declaration, and he said to his daughter, "'Necessity is a tough nut to crack. There's nothing I can do but give in to his demand. If I am to have peace and keep the crown on my head, I must give you away.' So the marriage was celebrated, but the king's daughter was disturbed because her husband was a commoner who wore a shabby hat and an old knapsack on his back. She wanted very much to get rid of him, and was constantly thinking of ways to do it. Then the thought occurred to her, could it be that his miraculous powers are in the knapsack? So she feigned affection for him and caressed him, and when his heart softened, she said, if only you would take off that wretched knapsack. It's so unbecoming that it makes me ashamed of you. My dear girl, he answered, this knapsack is my greatest treasure. As long as I have it, I don't have to fear anything in the world. And he revealed to her the miraculous powers with which the knapsack was endowed. Then she embraced him as if she wanted to kiss him, but she nimbly lifted the knapsack from his shoulders and ran away with it. As soon as she was alone, she tapped it, and commanded the soldiers to seize their former master and escort him out of the royal palace. They obeyed her, and the devious women ordered more men to follow him and chase him right out of the country. He would certainly have been lost had he not been wearing his hat, and no sooner were his hands free than he turned the hat a few times. 
Within seconds, cannons began to thunder and demolish everything in sight. The king's daughter herself had to go and beg for mercy. Since she pleaded so passionately and promised to change her ways for the better, he let himself be persuaded and granted her peace. After that, she pretended to be friendly and behaved as if she loved him. It did not take long before she succeeded in deceiving him, so he confided to her that, even if someone got hold of his knapsack, that person could do nothing against him as long as he had the old hat. Once she knew that secret, she waited until he fell asleep. Then she took the hat away from him and had him thrown out on the street. He still had the horn, however, and his rage was so great that he blew it with all his might. All at once, everything collapsed. The walls, the fortifications, the cities, and the villages, and the king and his daughter were crushed to death. If he had not stopped blowing at that point, everything would have been devastated, and not a single stone would have remained standing on top of another. After that, nobody dared to oppose him, and he made himself king of the entire country. The End The Brothers Grimm Lunch Break is released under a Creative Commons, Attribution, Non-Commercial, No Derivatives License. Download it and share it all you'd like, but don't change it or sell it. The translations used are copyright Jack Zipes and are used with permission. His collected translations, The Complete Fairy Tales of the Brothers Grimm, is available on the media of your choice from Bantam Books. The music is Mount Timbrel by Jamie Janover off his All Strings Considered album, available on magnatune.com. If you'd like to listen to any of the other tales, you can find them on our website, www.grimlunch.org, where you can also leave comments or subscribe through iTunes. And if you're in iTunes, would you mind leaving a review or clicking on stars to give this podcast a rating? It helps other people find the podcast, and I'd really appreciate it. Thank you for listening. Thank you.